Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. To Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. And it was a strange weekend if you're a Bucks fan. Milwaukee lose a back to back against Boston, and then they go down to the Knicks in a game where no one played. Milwaukee now after sitting in second spot in the East for around 24 hours and now a game and a half back of the Nets in second and two and a half games back of Philadelphia in first. Those two teams just continue to win as we have discussed over the last few weeks here. But we should start with the Knicks game. The Bucks go down 102-96. Giannis missed with left knee sprain. Dante missed with left foot plantar fasciitis. Drew Holiday, left knee contusion. Chris Milton, left hip contusion. PJ Tucker, left calf strain. And Bobby Portis, health and safety protocols. Lots of injuries to the left side of the body. Uh, by all reports, none of them are all too serious. But we see at least one of these games a year where you get the strangest of starting lineups to tip off a game. Yeah, I think the natural the immediate reaction people had was to think back to that hawks matinee game. <laughs> what was it? Two, two years ago, I guess. Yeah. where Tim Frazier played 53 minutes um, and uh, we had a whole lot of Bonzi Colson and DJ Wilson, et cetera. And that I think Brooke Lopez was also in that <laughs> game as well. I think Brooke played and was like the only starter that played similar to, to uh, Saturday. Um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, it, it's a, like, I mean, it's basically like a preseason game type type or I don't want to say summer league. It was, it was like a preseason game type atmosphere as far as just, the quality of play. I mean, Julius Randle didn't play for the Knicks either. Although, you know, I would say we were much closer to a full strength Knicks team than we were a full strength Bucks team. And credit to the young guys. You know, they they hit a lot of three pointers. You know, I think the probably some some you know uh, uncommon three point shooting, especially Thanasis hitting four out of five, which is just crazy, right? Thanasis <laughs> is. I think Thanasis is at thirty five percent for this for the season right now on threes, um, on a very small sample, but. Um, yeah, the three-point shooting kind of kept them in it, but I mean, they couldn't do anything inside. You know, Brooke, Brooke had, I think, what, 12 points, but um, but they really couldn't do anything inside. And, um, you know, the the Knicks um, got a lot of good looks from three, that that zone that the Bucks ran, similar to what they did two years ago in Atlanta, where they just basically zoned up uh, against Trey Young at the time. This time, uh, you know, it was the, the Knicks guards. A um, lot of open looks for three from the Knicks when they worked the ball around and, and they shot well from three. Um, and you know, it just not enough talent. <laughs> Ultimately, you know, you score 96 points in an NBA game. You're, you just probably don't have enough offensive firepower. That's simply all, all that it is. And, um, that, that I think ultimately was a story. So, you know, guys put up some numbers, you know, shout out to Thanasis, a career high on consecutive nights. I think he averaged more points per game in his last two games than Giannis did, which, mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk about that. Yeah. I, you know, Giannis, I think in hindsight, shouldn't have played. He just, you know, didn't look at all like he was ready to play basketball against the Celtics. And, 
you know, Celtics defended him well, but he looked awful and especially disinterested in that first game. And then um, finally got it going a little bit in the third quarter and then didn't play in the fourth because the Celtics blew them out on Friday. But um, yeah, this is, this is, I don't know, Kane. I don't want to spoil anything, but but uh, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is not going to be Giannis this week. Um, and it, but it, it may <laughs> may still be an Adetta Kunbo. But I'll leave that up to you to decide. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was uh, there were elements of it that were fun, but you know, in the back of my, a lot of people seem to enjoy the game, and, and I, I get it. You know, it's kind of fun seeing the guys with, without a lot of pressure try to try to stay in it with all the young guys. But you know, in the back of my head, I was just thinking, well. You know, this is just another another game that you really could have used in in the standings, and you know it goes by the wayside, especially with you know you got the Clippers coming up on Monday. Lakers will be very compromised when you see them, but you've got this road trip coming up, and I don't know, there's still still a lot of games left in this season, but um, the odds of the Bucks catching, you know, hitting the first first seed or second seed certainly didn't go up with with the performance uh, on, on the weekend with with these two games that, you know, you really would have liked to win and instead you take uh, two losses for very different reasons. Pairs of games against the Nets and the Sixers coming up. And, you know, I know you're put, putting yourself into a bit of a difficult corner here if you expect to win all those games, but they are going to be critical. And I'm probably one of those guys that, that really enjoyed watching this game. And that comes from, as you said, there's, it did have a preseason feel. And once you know that all those guys are inactive, but not only that, the fact that Bud really could have started Bryn Forbes and Pat Connaughton if he wanted to. Now, I know that they played similar minutes in the end, but he, he could have rode those guys if he really wanted to win. But instead, it was Thanasis that was taking end of shot clock, unbelievable threes to to keep the Bucks in the game late in the fourth quarter. And he started Axel Tupan, who did not do a lot. And he didn't really need to do that. He could have started one of the other guys. But I think this was, you know, once a few of those players were out, and I think ultimately the, the it didn't seem that any of these injuries are serious. P.J. Tucker is probably the one that is of some concern with a calf strain, just that his age and the fact that he hasn't played a lot of basketball, that will be one to watch. But the other guys just, the knocks just felt like they were building up. And I think with this road trip coming up, um, Drew Holiday clearly played against the Celtics and he looked like he was moving fine, but is it worth playing him on a back-to-back? Probably not. And Chris sort of got that uh, that bump on the hip as well in that game against the Celtics. So I think with everything just adding up, it seemed like an okay to, game to do this. And I do understand that it can be frustrating from the standings, but when you come in, my expectations were just absolutely zero. I, You did mention the Giannis stuff and I definitely want to get back to that. Before we do, though, I, I do want to talk about Jordan... Wara because uh, you know I mean this guy is not shy and some of the shots that he takes and we've seen it all season long he really does like going to the step back but there was a couple where he was in transition and he just said well I'm not going to pass the ball here I'm just going to dribble into a step back three and knock it down as well I don't know necessarily how it is going to translate for these three guys and I don't know where their future lies in terms of um, beyond this season and being role players or contributors in the rotation. It certainly is hard for me to see any of these three guys playing a significant role this season, despite the fact they've all shown flashes over the last couple of days here. But in War, Merrill and Diakite, the Bucks have drafted or, or signed three guys with pick 45, pick 60, and then obviously undrafted Diakite, a two-way player. Three guys that for where they went in the draft, you look at them play and they do at least show attributes of of players that could be valuable NBA players. And we always lament the fact that the Bucks have not exactly drafted 
all that well at the top of the draft in the last five or six seasons, but they have had an ability over the years, and Brogdon is the main candidate here, to draft well in the second round. And I think that the, the strategy that they had this season of taking guys that were more experienced, that had shown over a long period of time that they can contribute at the college level, I think has suited them well. And I think if you're drafting late, that's potentially the avenue you go down. But all three of those guys at least show something that they're interesting guys that you would want to probably keep on the roster for next season. Okay, it's betonline.ag time right now and bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action football might be over but college basketball and the nhl are in full swing uh, college basketball really getting to the pointy end of uh, march madness there now but bet online covers awards tv shows reality tv as well you can get all the real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine i'm not sure what Thanasis top scorer for the Bucks would have been paying yesterday, but I'm sure you probably could have won some money on that one, I would have to imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKED ON. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on all the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As I said, as I'm, I'm looking at my daughter who's prancing around with a wand singing. Tilly, what are you singing? <laughs> you don't know. Okay. It's a good song, whatever you're freestyling. Um, so I, I think... I think you framed it well. I think there, there's attributes, there's raw materials here to work with. You know, Merrill is 25 or almost 25. Right, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's very old. Diakite is very old. He's 24. He's older than Dante by a week, actually. Uh, and Wara is the youngest, but he's still, you know, old by kind of like, you know, young NBA prospect standards. I don't, I don't know if he's like 22 or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the obvious thing that stands out with Merrill and Wara is just the shot-making ability. And I say shot making because, you know, I think what you saw from Wara is it's almost like he wants to dribble and and take a step back rather than just be like a catch and shoot guy, you know, and that's kind of one of the things I find, I find really interesting. And, you know, early in the season, there's, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Merrill and Wara and, you know, what kind of players they can be. And um, I, I think, you know, people were throwing around like Duncan Robinson comps for Merrill as his upside. And, and I think we may have talked about on the podcast, I, I tweeted about some point where, I, you know, I actually think Wara is more of a, if you're going to make a, a, one of those guys have their upside beat Duncan Robinson, I think it'd be Wara because they're, they're more similarly sized. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson is like 6'8", and Wara is 6'7", 6'8". Uh, and I think being big is actually like a, you know, a really underrated thing that makes Robinson much more playable than I think a normal, like if he was 6'4", I don't think he'd be nearly as good a player as, as he is. Um, and kind of similar, we saw with Kyle Korver, you know, Korver was six, seven in that range. I think that that really ascribed a lot of kind of defensive playability to Kyle Korver over the years, especially during his prime years, not so much, you know, when we saw him, but you know, he's just a big guy, you know, he's not like some little, he's not Brent Forbes, right? <laughs> Where it's like, you know, you can just get physically overwhelmed by people. And I think with, um, with Wara, he's interesting. Cause I, I think it's a, it's a question, you know, he was a scorer in college, right? I mean, he was a guy that used to getting a lot of shots at Louisville. Duncan Robinson was always a role player. He didn't even average double digits his last year at Michigan, ironically. Um, so he's sort of like winning the NBA and just sort of kept doing kind of what he's been doing, whereas Wara has to figure out, all right, you know, next year, does he become a 10 to 15 minute per game guy? 
maybe, right? Like maybe that's a role for him. Merrill kind of similarly, like if those guys get into like 10 to 15 minute roles off the bench, playing with much better players, how do they evolve and adapt into those roles? And I think the biggest learning curve is, is for those guys is going to be defensively, right? Especially team defense. I think um, I've seen kind of flashes from them as individual defenders. I think they're at least competitive. I think Merrill's competitive. You know, he's not that small uh, defensively, but you know, is he going to be a, a useful team defender? I think you would say no. <laughs> I think, you know, if those guys are out there with, you know, the, the Bucks closers, we know who they're hunting, right? It'd be those guys, not, they're not going to go after PJ Tucker or Giannis. Um, so I think it's an interesting question of, you know, how do you, how do you fit in with really good players? I think, you know, Merrill, we saw him, um, on Friday night play very well, actually better in the, in the, the Celtics game than on Saturday night, ironically. Uh, and I think he's, he's kind of played off Giannis, you know, being that kind of inverted pick and roll screener, um, and, and do the kind of things that we saw Forbes do at times. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really curious to kind of see what those guys kind of like, what their, what their, you know, what their role is. I think there's a good chance they, you know, don't pan out and are never rotation players. And, you know, they just wash out of the league in, you know, a few years. I think that's very possible. We have to be honest about that. Um, but I think, you know, if you want to talk about comps, I don't, I, I don't love the comp of Duncan Robinson for, uh, I, I don't know who, who his comp really is, but he's got really impressive shot making ability. He does not need to be, does not need to have his feet set. He does not need a lot of room. Um, he, you know, when he's attacking the rim, it looks like he blows a tire out half the time. Um, does not have much vertical explosion. His finishing last night was really poor. You know, I mean, what is he, seven out of 18, even though he had a bunch of threes. Um, so, but he drew some fouls, you know, that was encouraging. And I mean, look, anytime you got a guy in his first start, put up 21 and 10, regardless of circumstances, I think you got to feel, you know, encouraged by it. Um, and I think for Merrill, um, I think it's interesting. I, I think he's a guy that, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this news that, that it sounds like Austin Rivers is likely to join the team, which, you know, I think unfortunately probably means Merrill's minutes and, and upside to play would, would really be limited probably. But um, but he's an interesting player. I thought I saw someone, um, we we're talking about comps on Twitter and someone, I, I forget who, and I'll have to look up who it was, but said, you know, maybe his upside is like a Seth Curry type, right? And, you know, Seth Curry, has bounced around the league. He was in the G league for a while. Like couldn't, couldn't really catch on with the team. Even now, like, you know, he finally got a multi-year deal last year with, with Dallas and then immediately gets traded to Philly. He's kind of worked out pretty well there, but you know, he's a role-playing starter at, at very best and not really a point guard, but can play some shooting guard. I think Merrill's kind of similar. You know, I, I think we saw it, right. They were letting the bring the ball up. <laughs> he wasn't, you know, wasn't Merrill initiating the offense. Cause I think he just, even though he has a, a solid handle, I think he's more of a, probably more of a shooting guard who can dribble it a little bit and, a, you know, run a little pick and roll, but, you know, we've seen him have trouble even getting the ball up the court at times. Um, so he's got some limitations there. So I think it's really interesting with those two guys, you know, just kind of seeing what, what maybe they become. Um, and Diakite as well, you know, the shot blocking, I thought he had a couple of really nice takes I mean, he went coast to coast on one yeah, yeah. Uh, and finished really impressively and had, you know, a fadeaway jumper he hit. Um, I, I think you know, he's, again, he's also very old for a prospect. So it's not like he's, going to go through some huge physical maturation or something like that. I think he needs to get stronger. You know, I think he's pretty light and looks like he kind of gets pushed around a fair bit uh, to play center unless it's, you know, in kind of small lineups, but yeah, he's an interesting player. You know, I think he's going to be a restricted free agent as a two-way guy. So, you know, I think you'd want to keep him next year as well and kind of see what you have with him. Um, but again, like, you know, does, does what we see last night, does that mean like, Oh, you know, these guys should be playing regular rotation minutes. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's a stretch. I think especially defensively in the playoffs, you know, you just I think these guys, need, you know, any young player needs really reps. 
Um, but I think the upside is shooting never goes out of style in the NBA. And certainly with Maryland and Wara, they have that skill set and they're showing it off and they haven't been really afraid to, to you know, to, to look for that shot. You know, whenever they play, they, they really hunt threes and have been good at them so far. And, you know, I think Diakite certainly, um, you know, he's got that UVA Virginia pedigree, um, which has been a very good thing at the NBA level. It hasn't produced star players, but it's produced a lot of solid, you know, good NBA players, Brogdon probably being the best, but, you know, like so Joe Harris and, and, and others have kind of come through over the past few years. And, and again, you know, hopefully for him, he can continue to kind of develop and, you know, he can maybe have enough of a kind of offensive defensive skill set that, that he can be a, I would say a solid role player potentially down the road as well. So, you know, let, let's manage expectations. I think all those guys, I'm, I'm really thinking more about next year than this year. Um, but it was fun to see them, uh, you know, have a chance to prove themselves and actually show, show what they could do, you know, in, in real minutes. Um, and we'll see, I'm sure we'll get probably another one or two games like that this season. Yeah, it's a good point with Diakite in particular, because I think when you look at Merrill and Wara, where their predominant role is scorers, they look for their shots and they can shoot. Um, that is something that really, yeah, sure, you're 24, 25, but that's going to translate for a long time at the NBA level if you prove yourself as a competent defender and, a, and an elite shooter. So I can see that that translating, but Diakite is the type of guy with his skill set and the development that still needs to occur, that if he was 20, you would be really, really excited about this yeah. game. But the fact he is 24, it changes the calculus a little bit. But nonetheless, I think uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to keep him around next year, particularly in the back end of the roster. And we know the Bucks are going to be looking for uh, cheap contracts there as well. The one last point I'll make on Merrill, I saw a couple of people say that uh, Merrill would be perfect for the Bryn Forbes role next year if Forbes isn't here. And that's totally yeah. fine. The one thing I'll say, Merrill had five assists yesterday. Uh, Forbes, I don't think that he would have ever had five assists in a game in his entire career. So that's at least <laughs> a tick in the box for Sam Merrill there. And Thanasis, you already mentioned, but uh, you have to give this guy credit because he is... i tell you one thing. If you want to be a role player in the league where your minutes are going to be sporadic, the credit that Thanasis has to get is wh- whether it's two minutes, whether it's a start like it was yesterday, he is literally always ready. He is always so amped up and ready to play. So... The NASA's sort of playing that lead role yesterday. And as you said, dribbling the ball up the court a little bit was super fun because, to, to be honest, he probably deserves it for all the work that he's put in. And credit to him, some of those finishes that he's been had having around the basket, not only uh, last night, but through the season, it, it's, it's hard to deny. This guy has improved in his time in Milwaukee. And, and uh, you know, again, obviously a monster night for him, 23 points and 10 rebounds, uh, I'm sure. Uh, was a good feeling for not only him, but uh, but Giannis as well. We can move on to Giannis. I, 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 right, go ahead. I, well, I, no, I actually, I think the, the, the comment you made about Merrill, I think is a good point because I think you look at um, the Bucks free agent signings this summer, right? I mean, Augustin already washed out, right, with the Bucks, He's gone. Forbes, I think, you know, if he fits, if he ends up the season at 45% from three, I would imagine he'll test the market and go try to find, you know, a bigger contract and maybe he gets it. Maybe he doesn't. Right. I, I don't know. Um, but I think Merrill does kind of fit potentially into that role reasonably well, because you, you saw it, you know, you saw it on that, that late play where they ran that kind of curl for Forbes to shoot that three. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of, we've, we've heard kind of questions. I think, I think like when Giannis missed that shot in Phoenix at the end of the game, I was like, well, like, you know, run a play for a shooter, you know, something like that. And it's like Forbes is an interesting guy because he's really small. So you can kind of see him on a play like that where it's like if you absolutely need a shot, you know, Bryn Forbes can play off guys and, you know, I mean, he can step back. He can do stuff to kind of get a shot. He's obviously a very good shooter. 
Um, but it, it's hard to just kind of snap your fingers and say, get a shot off, right? Versus a guy like Chris, who's just, you know, four or five inches taller and, and can just get a shot and a reasonable look much more easily, much more on command. That's why he's Chris Middleton and Brent Forbes is Brent Forbes to some extent, right? Just because the, the size factor matters a lot. Um, and I think for Merrill, you know, the best compliment I can pair Merrill is when, when, when Merrill takes a jump shot, I, I expect it to go in. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, he's just, he's, he's been just a really good shooter and it's kind of ironic. He didn't really actually have a big night on Saturday because, uh, you know, he played well, uh, on Friday night in, in a game where he was playing with, with the big boys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think Merrill certainly, and, and I think we talked about this being a season, if, if there was, you know, if Sam Merrill was going to target something, you know, how do you get minutes? I think Bryn Forbes, we, I think we talked about Bryn Forbes as a guy for him to target. Um, and Credit to Bryn Forbes. I, I, I always, it always come, you know, kind of jumps out at me how much Bryn Forbes is not like to pass. Um, and you pointed out how he had a much higher assist rate in San Antonio. So I'm not sure entirely, you know, what the explanation is there, but, um, but he obviously looks for a shot in Milwaukee and that that's his role. Um, he had two nice passes to, to Brooke Lopez last night though. Bryn Forbes actually, it was like the first time all year I felt mm-hmm. like he's actually made a nice pass. Like, like every time Giannis passes him the ball, uh, and then like Giannis will roll and will be like, yeah, he's never going to dump, dump the ball off to Giannis on, on a roll or something like that. He's, he's just putting a shot up, but he actually did have a couple nice passes to Brooke Lopez last night. So shout out to Bryn Forbes for actually throwing a couple nice passes, but Merrill, I would say certainly a much more natural ball handler. I mean, you can actually put him in a pick and roll to, to actually make a pass and a read um, versus, you know, Forbes, you're not doing that. So Merrill, much more of that kind of combo guard, um, you know, guy who has obviously been used to having the ball in his hands in college. And, and again, I, I am not going to say he's like a true NBA point guard and doesn't have limitations there, but certainly if you're playing him more as like a shooting guard um, who can handle a little bit, I think that kind of plays into his strengths a little bit more. And let's be honest, the Bucks with with the personnel they have with Giannis and Chris, you know, if you're talking about like a second unit guard type guy, you don't necessarily need to have a true point guard. And that's yeah. obviously what they've been doing here for, for quite a while. And also perhaps not surprising when you look at this Austin Rivers news, he's also a guy who's not a real point guard. Um, but, you know, I think the, the thinking by the Bucks is, well, we can get away with that. We don't really need a, a true ball handler just given the type of personnel we have. Well, it's time for Built Bar Madness now because you guys know I've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for quite a while now. But Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of those bars. And we are right at the business end of Built Bar Madness right now. We have got three out of four bars that are in the flavorful four. We've got cookies and cream. Cookie Dough Chunk, Mint Brownie, and the final matchup, today's matchup that you can vote on at BuiltBar.com and also at Bar underscore Built on Twitter is Caramel Brownie versus Coconut Brownie Chunk. If it was me, I'm going Coconut Brownie Chunk. Uh, Remember, we had three out of the eight bars were coconut in the enticing eight, and now potentially we're going to have none in the flavorful four. So that would be my vote for today but remember to use the promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order that is locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever and while you're enjoying the built bar you may as well hop across to rockauto.com the family business 
that's been serving auto parts customers for 20 years. Uh, they've got everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for a classic or the daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks. I can assure you that the catalog here is uh, it's fantastically easy and simple for anyone that really, if you're a car expert, if you're someone like me that knows absolutely nothing, you can quickly see all the parts available and find exactly what you need without having to go into a store, which is really the best part about all of this. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all those parts that are available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in their how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with Locked On NBA Draft. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. All right, let's go to Giannis before we get to Austin Rivers. You did message this in the in the DM, and you also hinted to it early in this podcast, but you did sort of express that you were a little bit disappointed that Giannis played in those games against Boston. Now, I know we kind of discussed it after the first Boston game, and and I suggested that, you know, I just wonder whether with a knee injury and the way that he plays that perhaps it wasn't so much physical, but he wasn't quite mentally um, perhaps ready to play or ready to play with the usual aggression that he plays with, which we know that if he's not at that usual level that he's at, then the defense can kind of stifle him a little bit when he's trying to get to the paint. And we saw that across both Boston Celtics games. What what exactly was it? Is it that the fact that you were concerned that maybe he would injure himself again or just really that mental side that he didn't look prepared to play against those Celtics games? Because he was well down on what we're used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, in the first game, you know, in the fourth quarter, like he he caught a ball in the dunker spot on the right side and went up against Smart and Smart like basically blocked him and he got a foul call. Um, then he got another pass in the dunker spot with like Kemba Walker basically guarding him and he like passes the ball out. So it's just like, okay, Giannis, if you're not attacking in this situation, it's like, you know, what's going on? Either you don't think you can or you physically don't feel like you can. And look, I know Smart has frustrated him in the past and I think, you know, when you talk about potential playoff matchups, I think that's absolutely a concern. I remember two years ago when the Bucs beat the Celtics in the playoffs, Smart didn't play until what was it, the very last game or the second to last game of that, yeah, yeah, in that that series. So, um, you know, Smart wasn't even involved in that. Brogdon and Smart were both out for most of that series. Um, But for some reason, Smart just, he just doesn't know how to attack Smart. And we saw him, you know, settling for mid-range jumpers and he was missing all his jumpers. and, you know, had an offensive foul, predictably, of course, smart flopping uh, the other night on one. Uh, so, yeah, it was just a lack of aggression. And then there was, a, that, there was that other play. I forget which night it was. But, like, he kind of boxed out and the ball rebound kind of went over him. And it was just literally, like, bouncing, yeah, like, bouncing five feet away yeah. from him. And he just, like, didn't even go for it. And, and I don't know. I mean, you just look at, you know, across two games, he didn't, he didn't dunk the ball once on Wednesday. And then he had, like, the one – he had one, basically, <laughs> play that looked like a Giannis play, right, which was yeah. – Right after, right after Sam Merrill got his dunk, and I said Sam Merrill has more dunks than Giannis this week, uh, Giannis then like just loaded up from the top and just got a sprinting start and dunked all over poor tackle fall. Um, and they didn't have another dunk on kind of a Euro step in the third quarter. But, you know, for the most part, really did not look anything like Giannis outside of that third quarter where he had 12 points, went five out of five, hit a three, you know, finally looked 
kind of comfortable um, doing some stuff, but you know, the Celtics went on a big run and then he didn't even get come off the bench in the fourth quarter. So, um, so yeah, I, I just think like, you know, I mean, if Giannis isn't dunking and making plays, that's not normal. Um, I think we've seen in, in uh, really not in the last year or two, but, but probably three or four years ago, he had a few spells where he was, you know, he had the right knee soreness, which is kind of that chronic issue that he's had previously. He hasn't really shown up much um, these last couple of years, thankfully, but um, where it just looks like he just doesn't quite have, like, just doesn't quite have it. Uh, and that's kind of what it felt like to me this week. And I mean, if Giannis, I mean, we know what Giannis is doing before he, before the injury, he comes back and he scores 13 points and 16 points. I mean, that's not the same player, you know, and you can't just tell me it's, it's Celtics defense <laughs> doing that. Like there's something clearly was, was kind of not right with him. Wasn't shooting free throws well either. Just kind of everything just looked a bit off and, you know, he practiced on Tuesday. So I took that as a good sign that he really was probably feeling good. Um, but just the way he played Wednesday, Friday, I mean, you know, hindsight, uh, just, you just kind of wonder, well, what if you had just given him an extra night off and just, you know, not, not had him kind of go through the the stress of uh, playing a game. I, I don't know. I mean, I thought Pat Connaughton had, had an interesting quote that I think you, you tweeted out about, you know, Giannis when he gets hurt, like he, he works at it. He doesn't like rest. And I think that's maybe something that, that, you know, um, is maybe different about kind of the way fans perceive injuries versus how players kind of can work to, to get healthy is, you know, being injured isn't about just laying, laying on your back and icing your knee and just hoping you feel better. It, you know, there, there's, there's rehab, there's strengthening that, that, that people can do. Um, and that Giannis is very focused on, obviously the results have been remarkable in terms of his, you know, career injury history. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think the fact that he shows up on the injury report with a knee injury after, you know, of course he, he'll swear up and down that he's healthy, right. He'll never admit mm-hmm. that he's playing hurt, which I respect, but you know, it's like, as, as the guy I'm, I'm, you know, he's, he's the, the son that the buck solar system revolves around. So, um, of course, seeing him look compromised, you just worry like, well, what, what's going on here, right? Is this, is this going to linger? That's the big concern. So I'd say that's the biggest thing I'm looking for, you know, this week is a, I I'm guessing he plays on Monday. Um, but B does he look more like the guy that we've been used to seeing, right? And you hope that's just a matter of an extra, another few days of, of health because, you know, if Giannis misses another three, four games, or if he's that version of Giannis for another like week or something like that, then, you know, your, your ability to, to move up in the standings are going to be severely compromised. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's just disappointing to watch as a fan. Obviously, obviously I'm, I'm the Giannis stats guy and just seeing him just look like a total zero on national TV. Right. I mean, it's, it's not exactly helping his MVP case, whatever long shot he has at the MVP um, just come out and just, look like a kind of shell of himself in two straight games against the Celtics. So, um, so yeah, hopefully he's, you know, we'll see on Monday night, I guess, right. That'll be the tail of the tape. All right. Let's wrap this up with Austin rivers. Uh, Frank, we, we had to bring this up now. It does appear that the Bucks. well, let's just say Shams has said that the Bucks are in the, in the front seat, in the box seat to sign Austin rivers. Once he clears waivers from the Oklahoma city thunder, which I, I don't know if you heard the exact time that's going to happen, but I assume it's in the next 24 to 48 hours. Uh, Austin rivers hasn't played for a long time. So similar to PJ Tucker in that regard, the last game that he played or saw any court time was way back on February 13. And it's been kind of interesting in New York. I mean, they have a bunch of young guards and Tibbs, not necessarily the guy that you associate with going with the young guys, but Rivers did fall out of the rotation. And that was after a, honestly, a, a relatively impressive start, or certainly he had a few big nights for the Knicks early in the season. He had uh, multiple 20-plus point games and was scoring in double digits a little bit there. 
uh, before he did fall out of favor. And as you pointed to, not a traditional point guard, but he does have good size. He's shooting the ball pretty well, or he's always been a decent shooter. 35% from three, he was at 36.4% this season. I don't really look at the rotation right now. And this is the difficult thing when I look at the Bucks and the way the Bud has been going with things. He's basically been playing nine guys really since the trade with, uh, if everyone is healthy, that's assuming, with Tucker, Connaughton, Forbes and Portis off the bench. So is there room really for a 10th guy? I don't necessarily see that with the way that Bud's been been playing, but we have seen at times that he would sneak in five minutes for the Nassas here or there, and maybe that's the minutes that Austin Rivers would take. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think either way that they would be bringing Austin Rivers in to play a major role, but he's a veteran. He's played in some playoff games. He can shoot the three, and he's not a bad option if you need an emergency uh, you know, roll from a guy on a night where maybe there's foul trouble or maybe there's there's injuries. Because certainly, I think as you pointed to, we might have more nights like we had last night and having another guy on the roster is certainly going to help. Yeah, I, the, the hard part with these buyout guys is, um, you know, are you signing them as a breaking case of emergency guy, right? I, I think if, if you're signing Austin Rivers because you need someone to, you know, eat innings when, you know, if, if Drew Holiday has to set out some games or, you know, if Dante gets hurt or something like that, then that's kind of one thing because I think, you know, uh, certainly I think he can, he can be useful in that regard. I think if you're signing him because, you know, he has, he, he's definitely going to play 15 minutes a game, then I think whether or not that is a net positive <laughs> becomes much more of a question. And it's a little hard too, because as you mentioned, we just had the Tucker trade. So you, you know, you just shifted DJ Augustine out of the lineup in favor of, you know, a guy who's basically playing like a four for you in PJ Tucker. So we don't know the full kind of upshot of what that will look like. And, you know, I don't want to bury the lead either. I mean, we alluded to it, but I certainly have some concerns about that Tucker injury, right? A calf muscle injury to an older guy. We know those can linger. Um, so you hope that, you know, they don't, I don't think they're going to rush him back, but you hope that, that he can return sooner rather than later so he can actually get, get some reps with, um, with this team, but, uh, but yeah, so I think it's a question of, of what exactly is Rivers role and, and how much is he actually going to play? Um, and I would imagine if he's, you know, if, if the tea leaves are kind of being pre-written the way they have been, it's not because, you know, they're telling him like, yeah, you're going to DNP most nights, but maybe you'll play, you know, when we rest a bunch of guys, <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing they've told him that, that he's going to play most nights. Um, so, you know, he, he's a guy, I, I would think of him this way. He, he's basically, he, he, I would say he's actually much more similar to Dante DiVincenzo than probably anybody else on the roster. He's, you know, a guy who is not afraid to shoot threes, but kind of a streaky shooter, like, you know, 35% ish shooter. Right. So kind of like Dante, who, you know, this year has been better, but you know, last year was in that low kind of 30 range. Um, so are they really actually legitimately good three-point shooters? Eh, <laughs> like not, not clear, but they are willing three-point shooters. Um, Rivers, I, I mean, I, you know, obviously I watched a lot of Rockets games uh, previously because uh, my wife is a Rockets fan. And it struck me when he was at the Rockets, I mean, he's a really bad finisher. Like he does not, you know, he's one of those guys who had a really high vertical coming out of high school and college. And, you know, you think of him as athletic, but, you know, he has like a couple dunks a year really struggles to finish going to the rim. He's a two-footed leaper. Um, so he, he is not a good finisher. Um, I, you know, I, so, so beware, basically, when he drives and goes to the paint. He's not going to be a guy who's going to impress you with his finishing. Um, you know, in Houston, he pretty much excised kind of long twos from his shot profile altogether. So he's pretty much taken like 50 to 60% of his shots as threes. 
and another like 25, 30% um, for, at the rim. So at least his shot, he's, he's used to sort of, you know, shooting the kind of shots that the Bucks want their guards to take. Um, and I think the other big thing is, you know, he's, he was in Houston for two years, basically. So he knows, you know, a switching system, right? He's used to having to do that. And he's played in, you know, a lot of playoff games. So uh, again, is Austin Rivers a good NBA player? I would say no. Um, I think you, you're signing him. If he's going to play, you're hoping that he has some games where he gets hot and he can be kind of a, you know, a random difference maker on some nights. If you're expecting him to every night give you consistency and, and high quality play, I think you're not going to get that. And that's why he's a buyout guy, basically, right? Because if he was really good, you know, he wouldn't be getting bought out. He wouldn't be getting DNP'd every night by the Knicks. Although, as you mentioned, there's some, there's some circumstances there which are a bit unique. So, um, so anyway, so I, I think, you know, again, if we're talking about buyout candidates, given what the Bucks, you know, what, what their needs are and some of the circumstances, I think he, you know, I can't think of many buyout guys that make a lot more sense. Um, but if you're telling me you're going to sign him so that he can play, you know, 15 to 20 minutes every night, you know, I would say the, 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 the positive impact of that is, is very, very unclear. And you have to really hope that he plays at the, at the very high end of what Austin Rivers can give you in order for that to, to be something that, that works out. So, um, so, so yeah, I mean, we'll see, I, I think you look at his kind of on off metrics consistently, a lot of times teams have been, his teams have been better when he's on the court offensively uniformly his teams are almost always worse defensively and I would say that's not because he's a poor individual defender I think he's a guy that can actually compete reasonably well uh individually but um you know he's kind of a zero I think as a as a as a help defender and I think that's a kind of common problem you know I mean I think I think you're gonna see the same thing like from you know a guy like Merrill or, or Bryn Forbes even if those guys like compete a bit individually just very hard for them to to do anything as help defenders um, and, and impact the game outside of, you know, just keeping their own guy kind of honest. So, uh, so anyway, uh, you know, how well are you going to do with, a you know, signing a backup point guard combo guy uh, on the open market at this time of year? Not a lot of options. Um, you know, would Jeff Teague have been a better option? I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, I think, I think Jeff Teague had three good games this year and two of them were against the Bucks. So I don't think my, my sample size is, is very unbiased in that regard. I did not watch a lot of Jeff Teague, but you know, he's a, he's a guy who played with, under Bud. So Bud has obviously a view of what he's like in the locker room. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think Austin Rivers is going to change the trajectory of the Bucks season. And I think you just hope that, you know, he can kind of patch in and fill in and, um, you know, the, the less we kind of notice Austin Rivers might be better, uh, than, than if he really stands out. Cause I, I don't know that he's going to be a guy that's, you know, going to have a, an outsized positive impact, but you know, if he can come in and have some positive games, um, I think that that'll be interesting to watch. And certainly, as you mentioned, Sam Merrill may be gunning for those Bryn Forbes minutes. I think that's an interesting question too, is, you know, is Austin Rivers eating to, to some of those Bryn Forbes minutes? Does he, you know, take some of the, you know, I think Dante's at about 29 minutes per game this month. Does Dante go back down a few minutes um, to maybe mid twenties? You know, I think that would probably be the way that you can make some, make some minutes for a guy like Rivers is by kind of shaving off from some of the guys who've maybe been stretched a bit, bit further than, than you might normally want. The point you made about you know buyout guys typically wanting to go to a place where they're going to play is certainly valid. And the one guy I always consider is, I don't know if you remember back a couple of seasons ago when Wesley Matthews went to Indiana and it was kind of a strange decision it felt like for him to go to the Pacers, but uh, they had just lost Victor Oladipo. There was a significant role there for him and perhaps 
a, a guy or these buyout guys a lot of the times, when, especially when they're younger. I mean, Austin Rivers is only 28. They might want to go to a spot where it's like, okay, let's see if we can make some money. We can go on a playoff run, have a few, few big playoff performances and make some money. So it's certainly a good point you make. I just, yeah, I mean, you just, you just laid it out. I just crunched the numbers and I, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, particularly if we assume the fact that what Bud has said all season to playing the starters more, the closer you get to the playoffs or once you get to the playoffs. Yeah, it's just difficult for me to see a big uh, rotation role there for him. And I had someone on Twitter the last week or so that's been very upset with me, apparently uh, not being too complimentary of the Nassus, which is, I, I deny, I deny those allegations. But I do, yeah. I, I think it, <laughs> I, I, I think that with in, fa- in fairness, yeah. You, you, this, this person, and it, it's, it's. I looked at their Twitter because I was so baffled by it, by their like well, criticality of you. Uh, they are Greek, yeah. So I assume this is just some like kind of Greek homerism. Shout out to all the our Greek yeah. fans who are who are clear eyed about about this stuff. But, um, but yeah, it was like it was like you tweeted something effective, like how you love just like the enthusiasm that you, that the NASA brings to the court, <laughs> and then they just like went at you for like always being negative and like about the NASA not giving them credits. Like, okay, let's you know, shout out to NASA Friday Saturday. He actually played. He played well. He did yes. stuff. He was productive. He was efficient. Good on him. You know, I'm happy for him. He's he's a likable guy. Um, but like. What are we? You know, what is all this? What was all this positive, positive impact that he was having before Friday, Saturday? I don't, I don't know. I think we've been pretty charitable with the guy, and you know, he's he's a fun guy to root for. You know, he works his butt off. You, know, you mentioned kind of just him always being ready to play, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. So yes, Kane, I, I I felt bad because I was kind of like, when's this guy going to come for me? Because I I certainly <laughs> have not have not been well, kissing the NASA's ring enough. If you, if, you know, if you're if you're public enemy number one, then I don't even know what, what the rest of us would be. Well, just crunch the numbers, Frank. That's all I'm asking. I mean, when you look at a playoff rotation, it's just hard for me to see that there's going to be a big role there. And I don't think, you know, I mean, trust me, I, I like to um, express my bias for my Australian friends and Dally and Patty and Thon and all those guys. So I certainly understand it. But yes, it's it's just difficult for me to see. I mean, there's going to be a numbers crunch. I mean, we've spoke about the the rookies a lot on this pod as well. I mean, there's some talent there that are probably just in reality not going to play in the postseason. That's the way it's going to be. But Austin Rivers will be super interesting. Uh, we'll see when that gets announced. As I said, I don't know specifically uh, when he will clear waivers, but it, it looks like that's going to be the next move for the Bucks. We've got some late games coming up here, Frank. I don't know. I mean, you're 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 up late, so maybe this doesn't disappoint you as much as the average Bucks fan in Milwaukee, but I believe 9 p.m. tips is what we've got through the week for starting with the Clippers tomorrow or Monday. Yeah, I mean, my daughter, I usually take my daughter up at like 9 o'clock to put her to bed. So, I mean, you know, the games that start at like 7 are really disruptive because I'm going to put her to bed like during the fourth quarter a lot of times. So at least this way I can just sort of start, you know, a little bit late and catch up and um, and focus on that, but uh, but I'm I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna you know be a a front runner with you this weekend. Like I, I'm uh, getting me to commit to doing a podcast at you know midnight uh, for a game that that you know may not have a good outcome. Uh, I, I I'm I'm probably gonna front run you here, and you know I'll sit there and like if at 11:30 it's looking like it's gonna be a fun game to talk about. Maybe maybe you'll you can get me that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna leave you high and dry here for for most of this week. So I apologize in advance. 
All right, I'm scrubbing off the matchup with Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso. And <laughs> that is off the list. Frank won't be on that podcast. Fair. Uh, Andre Drummond, you never know. That might be enough to, to, to get you excited. Actually, that'd probably, that'd probably, probably be better for me to plan to do that one because, you know, I'd much rather True. I, they have a much higher <laughs> chance of beating the Lakers than they yeah. do uh, the Clippers on Monday night. So, um, but famous last words, I suppose. All right, we'll see. I, I think you've got a dinner you've got to get to, Frank. So I got to let you go here. But, yeah. uh, but uh, the Bucks, like I said, uh, that is a 9 p.m. tip. Bucks and Clippers, they're on a West Coast road trip here, and I believe nine of their next 10 are on the road as well. So a big stretch here, uh, as Frank pointed to early, earlier in the podcast. These wins all mean something, and the Bucks have to keep winning to try and keep pace to put themselves in a position to potentially uh, draw closer to the Sixers and Nets when they do face them later on in the month or through to April. So uh, we will be back. I'll be back. Who knows if Frank will be there, but there will be some sort of podcast after that Clippers game. Hopefully the back, uh, the Bucks can snap a two-game losing streak. And uh, for Frank and myself, we will speak to you guys after that. 